Yes, folks, only eight seconds of applause. I think that's a new world record, and everything seems to be streaming correctly. Yay! It's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this must be... Well, we're here. Good thing I don't have a migraine today. (laughs) Hey, Greg Markell knows how to do it, though. Amen to that. Yeah, thanks to him for that. So, happy Friday Eve. Indeed it is. Colors of Franchising. Today we've got some uh, great interviews on tap for you, and we'd like to thank you for joining us. Uh, just a quick reminder, if I can flip to my screen, our call-in number, if you should wish to call in and or text us, uh, the call-in is 323-580-5755. And Miss Elizabeth, we've got some word on the street to talk about today, huh? We do have some word on the street. Um, pet franchising. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait, wait a second. Wait, before you go into the serious stuff, there's an event that's happening today, or there oh, Nancy Friedman! Nancy Friedman's birthday. That's Are right. We... Nancy has been a contributor to the magazine and has been a guest on the show, and we love her customer service wisdom. And so we want to make sure to wish her a happy birthday. Yes, you can do that. I believe her little handle is the Telephone Doctor. Is it not? It is. That is who. Yeah. Is. Yep. Go on and find her and wish her a happy birthday. Yep. Find her on social media. She's everywhere. All right. Absolutely. Now I feel better. Okay. Okay. So here's the word, right? Then Elizabeth Pet Franchising, Millennials. Yeah. And she's pets over babies. Evidently, that's, that's more appealing to Millennials than children. It's more appealing to me. Some days, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three. I'm done. But I have three dogs and counting because if I had more space, I would continue to collect dogs. Oh, funny. Yeah. That's so funny. I mean, really, they're so much easier, which is kind of what the millennials are saying, right? They're a lot easier. They're a lot cheaper. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's giving some of the reasons why. And there's a reason we're talking about this. But the reasons why are that they, they're cheaper. Um, millennials tend to be a little bit more career focused. Right. Um, some of them want more financial independence and, you know, children make that a little bit more difficult because they are expensive. <laughs> yeah. um, and, so, and you can actually hear our dogs barking in the background right now. <laughs> and um, so what does all that have to do with franchising? It's well, interesting. the growth, right? Yes, right. Feeling the fueling, I said feeling, huh? Fueling the growth of pet franchises everywhere. Yep. They are popping up everywhere and they're becoming more and more popular. And, you know, pets are good for your health. They're good for your stress levels. They're good for your physical activity. Um, my mom is getting on up there in age and she always has a dog to take care of. And I think it keeps her moving. But um, several pet franchises, there's a top, there are so many pet franchises. We've got a top list of pet franchises, uh, franchisors uh, that include 
that includes Wild Birds Unlimited. We're going to interview Paul Pickett next week on our Pride episode. Um, they were ranked number three on a top list I found. Pet Supplies Plus, H-U-S-S-E, Hust, I don't know how you say that one. Wild Birds Unlimited, but we've also got the more familiar Dogtopia, Petland, yep. um, Earthwise Pet Supplies, Central Bark, Wagon Wash, there's tons of them. Tons yeah, there and you know what's funny is along with all those, so you've got some pet supply stores, you have pet training stores, and the funniest one that I always laugh about, though I have used them, I have to say, are companies like Do Care, right? Um, they go and they pick up your pet waste, and yeah. whoever would have thought that they would have a business that does that, but um, I can tell you... Oh. Three I just think my kids do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now your kids don't live at home. So well, and now millennials don't want kids, so they're going to have to hire somebody to come pick up their yeah. pet stuff in the backyard. Well, I'll tell you, when it's freezing cold winter and uh, I have three dogs, I would happily, at the time I used them, I'll just say, because I don't know what the pricing is now, it was $15 a week for him to clean up once, uh, twice a week after three dogs. That's probably on the low end now because uh, everything has gone up. Um, but but, still, that would be worth it. I mean, think about it. You could get as complicated of a franchise in the pet industry as you'd like or something as cynical as pet waste. Yep. So I don't see that there's a way to lose. So as we talk about great franchises to buy, um, very interesting. And what cracks me up is that even the Pope got in on this oh. conversation. <laughs> well, I'm like, the Pope wants to populate the earth with, with, you know, a bunch of little Catholic children. And so if, if people stop having children, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that right there. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. funny though. I mean, it's, it's, the point is it's, it's a noticeable statistic. Yeah. To the yeah. point yeah. that the Pope is getting involved and that franchising is growing because of it. So it's, it's just kind of an interesting thing how trends follow yeah. in business. Well, to poke at the Pope a bit, I would say that until you can feel, feed all the world's children, it really shouldn't be, um, you know, up to him to say that it's selfish, right? Because we got, we've got issues with the folks we have on the planet right now. So let's take care of them first and then worry about judging people who decide to have children or not. That's kind of my stance on it. But we can get off. That's hilarious. And Donald and I did our job. We got five. I mean, that's, that's just about all I can do. Yeah, I got three. I'm out. So let's get on with today's show. What do we got going on? I believe we have Daniel Strong. So some of you may have tuned in two weeks ago when we had some little technical glitches, and we wanted to give Daniel Stein his due and make sure that he had a good, solid showing for his show because he's got a great message and a great franchise, and we wanted to make sure that you all got to see it as its entirety. Yes. So and we I are rebooting Daniel Stein from Special Strong. Yay. Okay. Ready? Sorry. <laughs> all right. So, welcome back to the Pillars of Franchising. We are here with special guest Daniel Stein. We've been excited to have him on and looking forward to it for quite some time since we came across his information on LinkedIn. Um, so, I'm going to read his bio so that you can know who he is and where he's coming from. Um, at the age of four, Daniel was diagnosed with a learning disability, and the doctor said his only options were medication and therapy. He struggled in school to make friends and got bullied for being different. In middle school, his parents got him a gym membership to the YMCA. He started exercising and it changed his life. By the age of 21, he had been diagnosed with a mood disorder and autoimmune disease. 
Not only did exercise change his life, it gave him the strength and confidence to live an independent and abundant life as he took control of his future. As a result of his own challenges, he felt a deep calling to help others with mental and physical challenges to experience an abundant life through health and fitness. In 2016, he started Special Strong. It was in North Texas, and it provides adapted fitness, personal training, and group classes for individuals with disabilities, diseases, and disorders. In 2019, they had a viral video of a young man named Brandon walking for the first time in over eight years. The video had over 150 million worldwide views, and they were featured on, feature, featured on dozens of news outlets. They received hundreds of requests to bring their services to other states and countries and quickly realized the global need to expand their services. So they've developed one of the most affordable gym franchises in the world. Today, they continue to expand Special Strong to other markets through Special Strong franchise owners. We desire to see the Special Strong movement in every state and multiple countries around the world. You can visit specialstrong.com to find out more. And you can find out more right now because we're going to talk to Daniel Stein about all of this. I think Kristen and I were both very touched by your story. I appreciate that. Welcome. Welcome to the yeah. of the franchising. Glad to be yeah. here. We just couldn't wait to get you on. It was like, how quickly can we find him and get him to find some time for us? Yeah. It, it truly is, I mean, inspiring and motivational to watch the videos that you post. And I really can't wait to hear about some of the opportunities that you are providing for people who want to go into business. But you know, we talk a lot about franchising with a cause. And this is like exactly what this is in helping so many people. What got you to, I mean, obviously your own personal experience, is that how this whole idea came about? I mean, somebody just said, hey, I think you should come up with this gym concept or how was this born? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I, I really can't take any credit for how this was formed. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even come up with the name Special Strong. That was, that was given to me by a mentor. Um, so there were two different mentors in my life. Um, the first mentor, his name was Rob Moore. Uh, he was a mentor for my church, and um, I'll never forget it, but it was, it was November 11th of 2011, so really easy to remember because it's 11-11-11, and so we went to Starbucks. We always went out together, and he was mentoring me, and so on this particular day, I we went to Starbucks, and um, he just kind of threw me a curveball, and he said that he actually had a vision from God. And in this vision, he saw me working with kids and adults that had disabilities. And um, it was just for me, it was a complete game changer for my entire life. And um, it completely changed the course uh, of and direction that I was headed. You know, at the time that I had that, that vision was given to me, um, I had a career in banking. I was doing very well as a personal banker. I was moving up in the company. They wanted to get me uh, licensed and start selling stocks, annuities, all those different types of things. And, uh, but I wasn't satisfied in that career. I was making yeah. great money, but I wasn't satisfied and I wasn't fulfilled. So when I received that vision from my mentor, um, I decided it was time to make a career change. So I got certified as a personal trainer and uh -huh. uh, ended up leaving banking and just starting to work in the regular personal training world. And um, it was through one of the clients that I started working with. Uh, I started working with a mom, her name was Melissa. And she was just a regular client who wanted to lose weight and get stronger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, at one point I'd shared with her my, the vision that my, my mentor Rob had. And she gets, she goes, Daniel, I have to introduce you to my husband. He's an entrepreneur. His name is Josh. And so I got connected with Josh 
Mm-hmm. And Josh, Josh really spurred me on to start this business. And I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know, I didn't know how any of it worked, like forming a business entity, didn't know how to do that, didn't know what an EIN was, didn't know anything at all. Literally, I knew nothing. And so Josh just kind of held my hand like a child and said, here's what you need to do. He didn't do anything for me. He, uh-huh. made, he just gave me the steps and he made me go do it. He didn't give me the money for anything. He made me go figure out how I was going to hire an attorney to draft yeah. my legal documents. He made me do all that. But I've followed, I've always, I've always been a good student. And that's one of the things that's made me very successful today is that I am, I am the best student that you'll ever have. If you're mentoring me, I will do everything you say and more. That's always how I've been. And having, growing up with ADHD, I've learned to rely on other people a lot. You know, I always had tutors. And so from a very early age, I learned to humble myself and get under the authority of someone else who would be ultimately teaching me. And um, that's one of the greatest uh, strengths that I have today. And it's because of a learning disability I was diagnosed with at the age of four. So, um, so, you know, going back to Josh, um, Josh and I were, were driving to uh, Rockfish, a little seafood restaurant one day, and uh, he got out of the car and he had bought my domain for the website. And he said, Aww. he said, I really, you know, he said, he didn't say this, but I believe that God gave him that, that company name. And it was just a spontaneous idea that he had. And he bought the domain for me. And then the name of the company was formed. And, you know, wow. that, that was seven years ago. And here we are today, you know, we've got six locations or seven locations now. And I mean, it's just amazing. It's a, it's a great name. Special Strong is really, it's a very powerful name, especially once you see what happens with your clients and how they are literally transformed. And it's, I mean, Elizabeth and I, when we start talking about it before we started the show, or she's like, oh, and did you see this kid? And did you see this guy walk? And did you, see? and I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I watch them, sometimes I watch them, you know, at, late at night and I just sit there weeping because mm. it's so incredible to watch these, these kids and these young people just get so excited about things that they never knew they could do. And so it's, it's really quite amazing. Um, what struck me, I found on your website, is that autism in the U.S. used to be like one in 150, right? Yep. And, and now you've got in there one in 44 people are affected by autism. Yeah, that's correct. And that, that actually comes from the CDC. So that's a very accurate statistic. And um, there's, a lot of, um, there's a lot of different uh, beliefs in terms of why that's happening. Um, some, some say it's, it's vaccination related. Some say it's environmental yeah. Um, you know, I think that, I think that environmental and toxins do play a big part in the diagnosis of autism and the formation of autism, but a lot of it is just genetics and things have changed uh-huh. so much in the quality of our foods. Um, everything like that are contributors, in my opinion, to the increased prevalence of autism. And it's very sad. There's a big problem for it. And thankfully we're, we're, we're creating what we hope is a big solution for it too. Yeah. Well, and Daniel, I love, I love that you're talking about that because, um, like we talked about before we started recording, it touches everybody. Um, everybody loves somebody with special needs. I have a cousin, I ha- we had babies like 10 days apart and his first baby has Downs mm-hmm. and his second baby, they're grown now, uh, has uh, autism, he's nonverbal. And so you watch people going through the ups and downs and struggles and the gifts 
of those struggles and what you learn. And, and I have my own little brand called the gift of the struggle, which is so much in line with what you're doing, because there are gifts in those things that spur you on to overcome and then the, the, therefore help other people overcome. And when I was looking at your website, your mission is one of my favorite missions I think I've ever read to unlock the strength and confidence within the mind, body, and spirit of every individual impacted by mental, physical, and cognitive challenges in order to live a more independent and abundant life. The reason I love that so much is because you start with the assumption that everybody has that in them already to be unlocked. And I think when you are, when you love a special needs person, you know those things and you want everybody else to know those things. And then what you're doing is helping them achieve that abundant life without the limitations that other people might place on them or might they might place on themselves mm-hmm. to, to yeah. perform at their highest. So, I mean, when you came up with that mission, tell me that thought process, because I think it's, it's critical to understand the inherent value of a human. Yeah. So there's a lot of inspiration behind our mission and, you know, we're, um, we're very bold in, in our faith and we are a Christian company and, and um, that, that has governed a, a lot of what we do and how we've formed our company. But um, when we started the company back in 2016, uh, one of the first things I did was as a Christian, I just started praying and um, I just started asking God, you know, I, I need a verse in the Bible that really confirms this is, this is your business and this is from you. Because there's always those thoughts like, did, did my mentor really have a vision? Is this really what God wants me to do? Nobody else is really doing this in the United States. So this kind of seems a little crazy. It's come true. That's how Noah felt when he was building the ark, right? That's how I felt <laughs> starting this business. I, I couldn't go look at my competitors' websites and see how they were doing. No such thing. And to this day, they're still not. And so um, I really felt like he gave me John 10, 10. And that verse says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and that I, Jesus, came that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so that's, that's the abundant component of our mission statement. And the truth is that the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy uh, this population. And, and I believe that the reason that there's such an attack on that population is because of their potential. Um, in many ways, um, they do a better job than we do at just witnessing to the world their light without saying any words. I mean, Kristen, you said it made you cry when you watched the video. Um, it had nothing to do with the workout. You were, you were, you were crying because of what you saw that, that particular client do in the video. Yeah. And that, yeah. that, that, that can change somebody's life, um, seeing, seeing things like that. And ultimately, we, we see our clients as little balls of potential. That's, that's <laughs> what we see them as. And yep. they're, they're just waiting for somebody to come up to them who believes in them and ultimately is going to shape their destiny based on that belief. And so, like you said, Elizabeth, you know, we, we already believe in their potential before they ever come in the door. Mm-hmm. And our goal is just to unlock it. We know it's there, you know, just, just like Brandon, you know, walking for the first time in eight years. We, we, we saw that before it happened, you know, and yeah. it's just like, just like Olympians who win races. They, they have to see the victory. They have to mm-hmm. see that first place medal before they ever get there. And we're doing the same thing with our athletes. And, that's, yeah. and, that's, and that is baked into our mission. So very important to me. You know, there are a lot of people out there listening right now who are working corporate jobs. They're working jobs like you did. They're doing well financially, but they don't feel fulfilled. Um, you have come up with a model that is affordable, that is very attainable for people. Um, what are some of the things that you look for 
in a franchisee to bring on board? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say that there's that's, that's been our greatest challenge um, to date is finding the right people to come on board because we've had a good amount of interest in our brand, but it's really in our brand, it's so important that we find the right people to work with this population. And, you know, obviously we're looking for the basics that any franchise is looking for, leadership background, business background, those are really nice things. But the, the number one thing that, that always captures my heart is their story. You know, what is their story? And what is, what is their why? Um, you know, as an example, I just had a phone call a couple of days ago um, with a prospect who is financially pre-qualified. And um, we, 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 I, I called her and we had our first call. And um, within 30 seconds, she started grilling me with the, the questions about the, 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 the business details. We didn't even have a relational uh, aspect of the conversation. She just went right into that. She never told me her story. Um, the only thing that I was able to gather was that she, she, was, she lost her corporate job position, and now she's considering a career change. And so she has the money. She's in a good demographic. So, so what mm -hmm. do I do there, right? Do I, just, do I, do I entertain somebody like that? Uh, the answer is no, I don't. And so I quickly dismissed her and, um, you know, yeah. I, I always have ways that I can set people up to no longer be interested in the brand yeah. and I want to get yeah. them off my shoulders. So that's what I did to her. And, um, and we get people like that all the time, but we're looking for people who genuinely have a, a strong why and a story yeah. behind why they want to get behind a brand like this. They, they have to. And, you know, if we were to bring on somebody who didn't, the first people who will pick up on that are the parents. The parents. Oh, totally parents that we are serving, you know, we're serving their kids in many cases. And those parents are going to pick up real quick if there's if there's not a true buy-in and somebody yeah. just got in for the money. We, we just don't offer I just got chilled when you said that because I thought, you know, the, the, the parents, and, and I have to believe too, even the children that you're helping, there is something that I think everybody, as you work through these intimate relationships, authenticity comes through. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not authentic with them, I think they pick up on it right away, you know, and, and when I tell you about the boy Logan on our base, uh, his son or his brothers on our baseball team, I mean, he wants to give me a hug and he knows if I'm being fake with him. Right. And I never am. And he looks for me at every game and there's just this connection that you have with people. And I think that it's well, in the case of autism, they may have some things that they don't pick up on. I think that is one of those things that they feel, right? They're, they're, it's almost like an extra sensory that they have. Mm -hmm. And as a parent, you're super protective of them, and you're looking for stuff to make sure that people aren't just, um, what's the word I want to use? I wanted to use the word exposing them, but that's not the word I'm thinking of. Um, but anyway, so I, I think that's great. And, you know, that's the way that you build a true brand. And so I really think that's great. Um, and so are there particular areas per se in the country that you're looking in, or are you really just looking for the right person at the right time and in the right place? Yeah, that's really what we're doing. You know, we do have three states in particular that we're the most interested in which would be Texas, Arizona, and California. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we get a lot of interest outside of those three states. And more than anything, it's about finding the right person. You know, we have a really good yeah. support structure that can support someone that is, you know, all the way across the U.S. That's not a problem for us. 
Mm-hmm. So um, more than anything, it's about finding the right person. Now, when we were reading some things about your model, obviously we talked before the show about um, right now you're franchising the home-based model. And in the future, you'll be looking to franchise a brick and mortar model. Um, part of this franchise, you have a subscription, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so can you tell me just a little bit about that? Because uh, right now that seems to be wildly popular, whether it's the $10 a month, um, all you can eat tacos, a taco a day through Taco Bell, or it's the joint chiropractic come in and get adjusted, right? Um, seems to be really popular. So is this like a gym membership subscription? It's kind of like that. You know, one of our one of our core values is the, the fact that we're relationship focused. And so one of the reasons why we do a subscription based uh, model is because we want that long-term relationship with our clients. You know, we're not, we're not looking to just sell a package of 24 sessions. And then after the 24 sessions, they go away. Um, The recurring subscription model really encourages long-term retention. So most of our clients end up staying with us for over two years and their fee is the same for those two years, which is nice for them. They can budget for it like they would a car payment and it never changes for those two plus years that they're with us. Um, some of our clients have been with us for four years and five years, and they love the, the fact that it's just, it's automated, it comes out, and it's also great for us as business owners. It allows us to forecast profitability, forecast revenues, and it really makes running the business a lot easier. So we do that for our private training, which is our mm-hmm. main source of revenue, and we also do that for our group classes, which is a much smaller part of our uh, our second source of, of revenue. Okay. Well, Daniel, I was curious. Sorry to interrupt you, Kristen. We were talking about this before, too. Is there any kind of insurance that covers any of this to help some of these families, or is this all something that would come out of their pocket? Because I know it's not, you know, a therapy, a medical therapy. Is that is that on the radar at all? Yeah, because it's not a medical therapy, there's there's no way that insurance would, would ever cover it. You know, we we do have, there are some states that have, waiver programs and government funding. You know, in Arizona, they have a really good government funding program that pays for all of our services there, which is oh. really nice. So Texas is the worst state um, in the United States when it comes to the, the funding of that kind. So everything is just cash pay in Texas. But one of the things we're also doing to help families who can't afford it is we're opening up a nonprofit. So we actually just formed a nonprofit called the Special Strong Champions Foundation. And so we're actually opening up the bank account next week and we're going to make, we're going to make a nice deposit. We've already had some, some nice donors donate some money to that. And we'll be able to help people that, you know, that can't afford it. And obviously they have insurance. Maybe they have insurance, but they can't use that with us. So we'll just use cash that people donate as a tax write-off and help sponsor their sessions. So we're excited about just making it more accessible to families who need financial assistance. Wow. I also like that you guys are on um, the preferred list for the SBA um, for their, their quick loan, the SBA 7A. So that's great. That, that says a lot about the quality of your franchise, the stability of the franchise. Not just anybody goes to that list um, that helps uh, potential franchisees move through that approval process quickly. So I think that's great. And um you know, from our perspective, a lot of um, companies like yours that have been around for a while but haven't gone gangbusters, and to your point, not just taking money when the money is there, but making sure it's the right fit, protecting the brand, protecting what it is that you stand for, your values. Um, it, it's, it's really great 
to see those things happening because to get in early, that's where it's all at. I mean, I don't know about any of the people listening, but I had chills two or three times and my heart is just like swelling because I think it's such a great cause. And and we talk a lot about, um, you know, giving back and franchising and I just don't know of a better way to do it if this is something you really are into and care about. Do you need people to already, you talked about when you transitioned out of banking that you became a fitness trainer. Do you need people to be that before they look to buy? Is that part of your training for them? Tell me a little bit about the requirements for someone to become a gym owner. Yeah, there, there are no specific educational or background requirements that we necessarily have. We always have preferences, but no actual requirements. Um, some of our best franchisees had no fitness background whatsoever. And one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we can take anyone, no matter what their background is, and make them experts in adaptive fitness. And one of the, one of the ways we do that is we provide a 100-hour, two-week um, university training program that all franchisees go through. And um, they're going to learn everything they need to know, not only about business and running their own business, but how to become an expert adaptive trainer. And we've done that now successfully with several franchisees who they didn't even work out recreationally. Like not only did they not have a fitness background, but they, they never touched weights. They didn't know how to use machines, um, zero background. And now they're just thriving, but they all had the right why. And that's, that's the one common theme between our six franchisees we have now. They all have the right why. So we can take somebody with no fitness experience any day of the week and make them successful in our business model. I think that's awesome. I was reading that you have like a seven-step franchising learning process that you go through. Yep. Um, And I love that on the vendor products that uh, you have vendor partners, there's zero markups that goes back to to you, the franchisor. Um, And one of my favorites that you had was that there's no royalty fee for the first three months. That is correct. I mean, that's huge for people who are just trying to figure out how to be a business owner. You're pouring a lot of money into marketing. You're getting out there building relationships. And to be able for you as a franchisor to pay it forward and and to not charge royalties is really amazing. And I have to tell you, I mean, it is very obvious to me that this is, you know, you put blood, sweat, and tears into it, and you're... 100% 100% all in to making this be a phenomenal brand moving forward. Yeah, no, without a question. And, you know, if you were to look at our profit and loss statement, they would, it would be verified by what you just said. Every single dollar that we've made has been reinvested back into the franchise. So we've put over $250,000 into the franchise and I've mm-hmm. paid myself not even a dime and I will pay myself someday. It's okay. <laughs> but my focus right now is I've, I've got to make our first, uh, our first franchisees successful. I mean, it's so not only the first, but the second batch and the third batch, but the first are so important as we really develop a proof of concept. It's gotta be, it's gotta be done right with them. And it's going to mm-hmm. take extra resources for them because right. we're still figuring things out as we go. Right. And they know that when they buy into the system, they have more uh, risk tolerance. They understand that there's going to be a few kinks here and there, and sure. they're willing to move forward with that. And so for us, that means we have to invest more capital into the franchise to, to make sure everything works out. Well, I think that's what is so special about being one of the early uh, franchisees in this process is that they get to work collaboratively 
with the franchisor to work through those problems. And in the growth that you will see in the future, everybody wins. That's right. And, and it makes it better as years go by and more people come on board. So I have to tell you, I'm so excited to have had you on the show. And I do hope that you will come back again. And I really want to talk with you further offline about some of the great opportunities that you're providing to people. And obviously, if anybody out there is listening, uh, you know, we'll have all of your information uh, listed on the site. But can you tell people, Daniel, what's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Yeah, the best way is just visit our website, specialstrong.com, and, you know, there's a contact page, and if you fill out the form on the contact page, um, if that message is directed towards me, one of our team members will get that message to me. That's awesome, and again, it will all be posted on our Pillars of Franchising page. You can find that, obviously, by going through one of our many 30, 40, 60 different platforms that we're broadcasting on today. And um, again, Daniel, thank you so much for being on. I can't wait to see the growth that your brand has. And, uh, you know, if I see here, run across anybody who truly has passion for this type of a brand, you will be the first one that I think about because I, I get it. It has to be the right fit for you. And uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westbine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or Westvine with a Y dot com. Hello, Ray. Hello, Jerry. So How are you today? Jerry's out li living the, uh, the life of Jerry, out golfing and fishing, and I'm out traveling and in my RV which we need to um, bring to the point of the magazine that came out. So I just wanted to mention that so people can look at that magazine and uh, get a glimpse of what's happening in the uh, franchise world. But uh, Jerry, we have a question from the audience and uh, uh, I guess uh, we could both answer this question. Uh, what is, what, recession resistant franchise systems would be best in the current economic environment is the question. It's a great question, Ray. Do you want to give your answer first or would you like me to start? Well, I, I, I would think that uh, before the, uh, the uh, COVID hit, I would say fast food, but uh, that industry was hit pretty hard. So uh, I don't know. I'm going to let you answer the rest of that question. Sure. You know, um, the, the thing that I've seen with recessions in general, and this one is just a recession on steroids when you factor in, 
you know, trying to come out of COVID, staffing issues, and now the recession on top of it. So I think a lot of the metrics are very similar. So the, the bottom line is you want something that's basically cash-oriented. Uh, you want something that uh, people need or want. And I know that's a little vague, but you have to, you know, it, it's pretty easy to open a, a high-end uh, something for pets. Uh, the ladies were just talking about pets, right? And I get it. That's a huge industry, but you have to be careful where in the industry you are in a recession because what, what we see in most markets and most versions of uh, franchising is that there will be, um, you know, people will be used to going to the higher end of whatever it is, whether in my case it's haircuts or chiropractic, they're used to going to the higher end of that. And you can say the th same thing about food or pets in this case, right? Then they they start feeling the money squeeze, whether it's because of the recession or any of the other variables that we've got. They still want all of those things, but they want them for less money. So they end up going down in the in the stream a little bit, and they will pick a provider that's a little bit lower. So I think, you know, if you were to open a franchise in a situation like this, uh, we talk about this every week. There's money available, so financing should not be an issue for most people. Uh, make sure you pick the right one. And I, I think in general, franchise, franchise, uh, uh, franchises are recession resistant. But in specific, finding something that's basically all cash that people will use repetitively, not just once in a while, but repetitively, and find something in the middle of that category so that you are not at the top and you get, you know, kind of squeezed when it comes to, you know, the general population being squeezed financially. So it's, it's interesting, Ray. We had a question before I even started talking today. <laughs> yeah. And, and I was thinking of my own industry, the, the home painting. I think Kristen, uh, Kristen uh, may agree with this, is that uh, although we were hit in the 2008-2009 uh, uh, downturn, uh, we weren't hit that hard. I think it's because people were thinking uh, that they still needed their home clean because if they're two income earners, uh, the house wasn't getting cleaned. So uh, although we we were hit a little bit, uh, but not as hard as some other industries where uh, it was an option. <laughs> yeah. In a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's certain things in our lives, Ray, that we as a society are kind of kind of wrapped up in that we're going to do no matter what, you know, and, you know, we can look at all, we can get into a long discussion about people buying expensive tattoos and expensive phones and getting the best satellite service they can for their TV and things like that, even when money is tight. So those mm -hmm. things still happen. But if you really want to be competitive, if you want to be comfortable, I think being kind of in that mid range in the hierarchy of the same kind of products and services is probably where you want to be during a recession, not just during a recession, but repetitively, because recessions come every few years, right? So okay. being in that range is really a good spot to be. And you just mentioned something, Ray, uh, when you introduced us, right? You're traveling in your RV. I'm at the lake. I got back from golf, which is why I'm still in a hat today. Uh, I've got grandkids out there. We're heading to the lake in a little bit. And that's all because of franchise. And we preach this all the time. Buying a good franchise, getting it up and running, and making sure that it's running on all cylinders and you've got good leadership built into it allows you not only the income but the flexibility to do things you can't do with a corporate job. So there's our pitch for franchising for today. And 
you know, Ray, that just that ties right into the subject for today. What kind of questions to ask on your validation call? And frankly, I'll, I'll start with this, Ray. There's no question that's off limits. There may be some that a franchisee cannot or will not answer, but a potential franchisee should ask anything that they're on their radar. You know, I always think of financial questions because um, typically you'll get most of your financial information from the FDD. But when you're talking to another franchisee, you can certainly ask about that. They may or may not share some of their, you know, personal financial information. So what I talk about is asking generic questions that lead you to a satisfactory answer. So things I talk about, and I'm just going to read a short list here of some of the questions that I provide to people when they're getting in that situation. So if you were a potential franchisee calling an existing franchisee of a brand you're interested in, and you wanted to ask them some questions, here's one of them I would start with. Was it the right decision for you? Did it work out the way that you expected it to? That's a very generic question, but it will lead to a long answer. Trust me when I tell you that. And there will be lots of great information in that from a very simple question. Um, another one, was it what you expected when you got in? Because again, very simple question, but it leads to a long answer. That could be, here's some pros and cons. Here's the things that I expected. Here's the things I didn't expect. And that leads to a conversation, not just a question that's answered. Um, financially, was it what you expected? I think that's a very big one. Um, what surprised you? Once you got in and got going, what surprised you, good and bad? Um, what would you do differently? Because most of us, when we get into a franchise, we, we have a lot of support from the franchisor, but there's a certain amount of it you learn kind of on the fly, right? I'm sure you went through that, Ray. And uh, so what would you do differently? And there's an opportunity for them to give you some ideas about things you should do differently if you buy into the franchise or at least be forewarned about those things. Uh, would you do it again, I think is a great one. Um, skills that you had before that fit perfectly with whatever you chose, skills you wished you would have had when you got into it that you discovered you needed. Now, I'm not going to go into any more detail because I want to open it up and let you say something. But the bottom line is those are all fairly generic questions that will lead to a conversation, which is where all the information comes from. Absolutely. And that conversation can be quite long, uh, as you indicated, because I, I would imagine uh, in my case, when I uh, was looking into the franchise, I called many, many people who own the franchise. Uh, that I was looking at, as well as people who were in it and then got out. And usually the people who were in it and, and, and got out had the longest conversations. But sure. uh, uh, basically, you, know, you will wear many hats when you, uh, many hats that you never thought you'd ever wear. <laughs> <laughs> and if, if anybody's looking at this, this says OBX, and that's where I'm at, is uh, the Outer Banks in uh, North Carolina enjoying uh, uh, being with my, uh, my wife's family here as they celebrate their uh, uh, her granddaughter's first birthday. So anyway, do you think there's anything else we can add to that, Jerry? 
you know, really it's all about starting conversations, Ray, and I give these as generic ones. I don't think you really need any others, but certainly you as a potential franchisee should think through the process, think about concerns you have, and put a list of questions based on your issues, not or your questions or your concerns, not anything that we say about it. This is just a starting point, but as you pointed out, Generally, um, a potential franchise deals try and schedule 20 or 30 minutes with uh, somebody to validate. When they do that with me, I immediately say, we're going to spend an hour. It, it will not be 20 or 30 minutes. We're going to spend an hour because you're going to ask questions that are going to lead to a great conversation and you don't want to cut that short. So again, a little piece of information for those franchisees or potential franchisees. Make sure you give yourself enough time so that you can so that you can do well with it because you only get one chance to talk to that person and you want to get all the information you can because right now is when you're going to be having to make some decisions and you want to have all the information you can when you do that. So that's where I would leave it, Ray, but certainly pitch in if there's any last minute things you can think of. No, I, I can't. Um, but I, I think uh, Fred mentioned something about the recession proof, uh, uh, franchises, and he said something about funeral homes. So uh, <laughs> I would imagine that could be a, a rather recession-proof, uh, although people may not spend as much, but they're going to have to spend something. You know, it's always interesting when Fred mentions that, since he's the king of the zombie apocalypse, which would mean when there are no more funeral homes. So I, I don't understand. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. One last point about yeah. our real subject is um, – the franchisees may ask you as a potential franchisee some questions as well, which will lead to a whole different conversation. So make sure you're prepared on that. Uh, and the last thing I'll point out, as Fred always asks that we do, is the question, is this a good time to look at being a franchisee? And you guys may get tired of hearing me saying it, but there is no better time than right now to consider it. And again, Pillars of Franchising with all of these million-dollar mentors we got right here. That's the place to go to get your questions answered and to get some support if you need it. So with that, Ray, I'm signing off for the week. Thank you, Jerry. As usual, thank you for joining Pillars of Franchising. We appreciate every single one of you. Um, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsors, the Titus Center for Franchising at Palm Beach Atlantic University. You can find them on the college's website. Also, Franchise Show 247, which can be found at FranchiseShow247.com. And we couldn't do it without our sponsors, and we appreciate their support. Don't forget, we love to have call-in guests. Our number to call in is 323-580-5755. That is 323-580-5755. If you have questions for our guests or for any of our Million Dollar Mentors, we welcome you to call in at any time on the show. We will do our very best to answer your calls. Stay tuned more coming up. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Franchising and with me on this segment. Oh my gosh, does Fred have me in the snow? <laughs> okay, it's not even April Fool's, Fred. Come on now. Uh, with me today is Matt Wampler. As you recall, he was with us uh, a few weeks ago and Matt is now going to be one of our regular contributors of Clear Cogs. How are you, Matt? You know what? I'm doing great, Chris. It's always great being back. Yeah, we'd love having you, and having you here on a more regular basis is certainly going to be helpful for all of our listeners, and I think I'm probably going to pick up a tip or two as well. Well, um, you know, it, it was funny listening to Ray and them talk about uh, questions to ask, and, you know, the, the thing that came to mind for me is, you know, when you look at restaurants, at least that's my world, 
the two biggest cost drivers you have are food and labor. One of the questions if I could have gone back and asked would have been, how, what, what tools in place do you have to manage food and labor? Or am I just guessing every day? Yeah, yeah. And what do you suppose the answer would have been then versus what the answer would be for you today? Any different? You, you know what? I don't think it's changed a lot. I think that in, in a lot of ways, the status quo has stayed the same. And, you know, that's, uh, I think it got by for a long time. But, you know, <laughs> really going back to what Jerry was saying, you know, when I listen to him talk about what's going on with the economy and recession-proof uh, uh, concepts, you know, what I heard is change. You know, the customer is changing right now. We've got, you know, uh, work from home gaining more traction. You've got people trading up and down as far as, you know, uh, the types of products they're buying. And so it's one of those interesting times where now more than ever, as you've lost your, your management teams and some of that institutional knowledge, and you've got all these changing customers, you know, these tools do need to become more front and center. Sure. And tell me, that's a little bit about what ClearCog does, right? Is you're helping these restaurant owners define what those, I'll call them drivers are. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the world we live in. And then, you know, I, I go back often to the times when I was in the restaurant business and there's this constant stress and it, it doesn't necessarily hit the bottom line as much as it hits, you know, uh, uh, your, your management team and the morale, but you're always worried about running out of product. You're always worried about people not showing up to shifts and really am I ready for the day? And so that's, that's really been my focus over at ClearComs. It's, you know, can we use technology? Can we use what Amazon and Walmart have built and apply it to restaurants so that we know what you need and when you need it just to alleviate that extra stress? Yeah, and you know what's interesting is it, it baffles me a bit that the industry hasn't had technology to do that. I mean, it just seems like a no-brainer to me. And you know, I'll tell you one of the biggest things of working in restaurants is that what people don't realize is if you're a server, you work in the kitchen, something gets dropped or whatever, they throw it away. Oh, no big deal. But it is a big deal, right? I mean, especially some of those things. And you think, well, food has such a large margin. Well, maybe it's not the food that is so bad. I mean, that big margin covers a lot of expenses is probably how I want to say it. Um, you know, you may make a bunch on a head of lettuce, right? But by the time you pay your wait staff, you pay, you pay your management, you pay for all the supplies you need, you pay for paper for the guest receipts, right? I mean, it all adds up and it all has to come out of what little bit of margin you actually have. Yeah, hey, the restaurant industry, it's, it's tight margins. And you, the guys that are successful are the ones that can manage every dime. Yeah. So tell me a little bit, I understand... Um, your company has transitioned a little bit away from being able to help only larger franchisors. What are you guys getting into now? Yeah, it's something I'm really excited about. Um, so listening to Daniel, you know, one of the things that, that he said that stuck with me was that he's looking to make sure that his first franchisees are successful. He's laser focused on that. And, and, you know, the, the company that we've built is really focused on enterprise sales. How can we go into large franchise organizations and provide those tools? 
And as we followed that process down the line, we've been able to create some more uh, scalable solutions that now we can go to franchises, you know, the, the Daniels of the world that are in the restaurant industry that, you know, maybe have two to 10 units that really need those tools as they move into the franchise or world. We're, right. we're now able to take that same technology that helps, you know, do predictive demand and predictive prep schedules and give it to those franchisees and franchisors. And it's something that I, you know, I, I, I'm really passionate about. We're, we're really working that. How can we get this to the mom and pop operator? But today, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're happy to announce that we can start working with some of those smaller uh, franchisor and franchisee locations. So this interests me. Um, so I, as I said, I worked in restaurants, but I never managed one or owned one or anything like that. But what you're telling me is that you've got a tool that basically would allow somebody like me. It used to be like, oh, don't ever buy a food place if you've not been into food, right? It's like, ooh, voodoo. But it sounds like your tools would help somebody like me, a novice, go into the food business and be successful. Yeah, and, and that's the goal, right? So you get a, a list of systems and procedures when you go into franchising and you follow those to the T's, but there's a lot of art in there. And that is, you know, managing people and managing your, your prep and how much food you have. Uh, I think that really it, it's lowering the bar for who could be successful as a franchisee. Yeah, your point of entry, right? The point of entry of people where... Yeah, yeah. but also for franchisees, right? It lowers the bar for, uh, as we're seeing turnover in the restaurant industry, right? Mm -hmm. You're constantly training new managers. You've lost a lot of that institutional knowledge. Being able to take that assistant manager and move them into a general manager position that much quicker because they have those tools in place and you can replicate some of that institutional knowledge is an important aspect. Yeah, I think that's awesome. So tell me just briefly as we wrap up, I want to hear about this predictive ordering. Is that what you called it? Uh, yeah, we do predictive prep schedules. Interesting. What does that mean? Tell me what that looks like. Yeah, look, so instead of using like sales, like, hey, you're going to sell $1,000 on this ship, right? And then guessing what that turns into as far as food goes. We've got a bunch of fancy data scientists that go through all your data and they're, they're looking at like how many buns you're selling in 15 minute increments. And this is all automated through machine learning. But we're able to look at all kinds of different patterns from your weather to what's on your menu to whether it's your short term trend or long term trend to figure out the exact amount of buns you're going to need at you know, the, the top of the hour, how much chicken you should have prepped, or, you know, what do I need my weekly inventory to be when I'm, you know, placing my uh, order from like a U.S. Foods or Cisco. That's awesome. And I have to imagine that this creates a lot less waste, higher profitability, right? Yes, it's, it's all that. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, going back to the stress, like that assistant manager on the night shift, you know, you got a couple hours left to sales. Do I bake more bread or do I not bake more bread? Right now, they're always baking more because they don't want to run out and they live in fear. But just being able to provide that clarity on, hey, this is how much you need and when, you know, it just eliminates a lot of that stress. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Matt, thank you so much. And for those of you who are interested in the food business, um, please join us. We will be having Matt on on a regular basis, not every single week, but, but more frequently than not. And Matt, I appreciate you, you and Claire Cog, for what you're doing for the food industry. I can't wait to see as your company continues to grow um, some of these really 
profitable franchises step forward and say, hey, look what I've done. I mean, these are like world-class tools that you have um, that the industry hasn't seen. So I'm super excited about that. It done in every other industry, the restaurants, it was about time somebody did it. Yes, let's see some best-in-class action out of them now. Well, thank you guys for having me. We'll see you soon. Thank you for contributing. I am Elizabeth Denham, the Chief Content Officer for Pillars of Franchising. And I'm telling you that um, because I am always looking for people with a great story in the franchising space. If you have a great story that you would like to share either in the magazine or on the show, you can fill out our contact form on pillarsoffranchising.com. Also, while you're there, be sure to subscribe to the magazine. Um, you can choose all of the services that you might be interested in if you're looking to buy a franchise, sell a franchise, become a franchise. If you need mentorship, and if you need to get the word out about your business, we have a lot of a variety of sponsorships for you. So be sure to visit our website, like, subscribe, and share this show. And we appreciate every comment and every engagement that you offer. Um, so be sure to visit our website at pillarsoffranchising.com. Yay, and we'd like to thank you all for joining us on this Thursday afternoon. As we quickly approach the weekend, we appreciate all of you watching us, listening to us, and sharing. We want to thank you um, today to Daniel Stein of Special Strong for joining us. And please be sure to like, share, and comment on this episode as well as any other that you might uh, enjoy listening to off the website. Thank you to Jerry Akers, our Million Dollar Mentor, for his insight and wisdom. Again, thanks to Matt Wampler from Clear Cogs, our con contributor today. And thanks to Elizabeth Dunham and Fred Murray, our producers. I am Kristen Shelmetzi, along with Ray Pillar. We are your million-dollar mentors, and together we are your resource for franchising success. This has been yet another episode of Pillars of Franchising, and yes, the dream starts here. Build it up, 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 build it up